Today on the show, we're going to switch it up a little bit. I have a special guest who I consider to be an amazing person, a positive role model, and she is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's going to share a little bit of her struggles and the way that she overcame her struggles to create a life worth living today. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today we have guests on the show, Lisa Mustard. Lisa Mustard is a therapist, an entrepreneur, and just an all-around awesome person. So I'm going to let her introduce you introduce herself to you all and then we'll get started hi lisa hey rose thank you for having me i'm so excited and grateful to be here with you and your incredible um listening audience i know that you have helped them so many so many ways i listen to your show and get so much out of it so i'm so excited to be here thank you awesome Thanks for coming on the show. So just before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that Lisa was one of the, well, Lisa was the motivator for me to kind of jump and get that kick in the butt to do it. We were in a group together learning how to grow businesses, our business. And she, you know, I was like, I want to do this podcast, but I'm scared to put myself out there. And she was like, just do it. And in a text message, right, we were texting and then I just did it. So thank you yep. for that, Lisa. Lisa's part yeah. of the reason why I'm here. So tell us about you. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think back to that time when you texted me and I was like, yeah, Rose, you've got to do this. If you don't do it, I'm, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, I just saw the value that, that you could bring to an audience that needs you. And I was like, you've got to do this. Um, so yeah, I am. My name is Lisa. I live in South Carolina. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I am 47. I'm a mom to two daughters. I have a husband named Billy, and we've been together over 20 years. And um, on top of all of those things, I also have a podcast. My show is geared towards other talk therapists where they can learn uh, professional development and and clinical ideas and skills and continuing education contact hours. Um, But aside from that, I've been, uh, gosh, I graduated from my program in 2006 Um, at the University of South Carolina, got my license. And after I got my license, I worked at the College Counseling Center at USC. So I've seen a lot of young women with a variety of issues. Um, From there, I went to an addiction recovery center where I was the family therapist. Absolutely love working with that population. Really, really love doing family therapy with that population. And then from there, I felt it on my heart. There was a, there was a job with the military branch here in South Carolina, and I had always wanted to go work with the military, um, mainly because my husband, one of his best friends from childhood, was killed in active duty. Mm. And I saw his widow, who was pregnant at the time with her son, um, go through what she went through and just wanted to you know, serve my country. And I I felt like that was the best way that I could help and I could support. And so I've been with that military branch, gosh, over 10 years now, which is really wild to think. And um, on top of that, I have a love of wellness and fitness. I actually have a master's in public health. And I did that for a little bit before going back to school. 
um, been in the gym over 20 years, just love lifting, love working out. So, and what else do I do, Rose? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, oh, and I'm also, I'm also an activewear brand rep that kind of fell into my lap two years ago. And I just thought I would jump into that, um, as a, as a side thing, because what I found was I was spending so much of my time and energy doing therapy that I was looking to, for a way to bolster my income. And I didn't really want to do more therapy in the evenings or in the weekends. And so I said, well, what else do I love? Well, I love activewear and I love fitness. So I just went looking for something fun. Um, so I do that on the side as well. <laughs> so I do a lot of things. Very cool. You got a hand in a lot of pots and you're, it's interesting because your career has sort of ebbed and flowed over the years into different things, right? I mean, my gosh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It really has. I mean, I've, Totally. So one of the things, reasons why I wanted to have Lisa on the show is actually you can hear she's so inspirational to me. She's doing all of these awesome things and just really trying to dream big and achieve her really her big dreams. And it's important for us as individuals who are looking towards recovery to have role models, right? I talked about that that in a previous episode, how we want to have positive role models. So what Lisa and I are going to talk a little bit about today is just kind of her struggle through things that she went through um, and how she ended up in this place where she's in as this, you know, person who has this ability to have huge dreams and, you know, you know, a stable family with two beautiful daughters, an awesome dog, how she got there. So we can provide some more hope and motivation that, you know, anybody can really achieve their dreams. So Lisa, do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit yeah. about you know, some of the struggles that you experienced while you're kind of on this journey in life? Yeah. Um, you know, anytime I can share my story and help and maybe inspire others, I'm all for it. So I'm going to take you back, <laughs> take you back, <laughs> take us back. Let's go back to little Lisa when she was like 10 or 11 years old. Um, you know, at that time in my life, my parents were going through a divorce um, and it wasn't pretty, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to that where you're 10 or 11 years old and you're going through something and you don't quite understand, but you, you kind of put it on yourself. It must be something I'm doing because you're not developmentally at that stage where you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you have it, if you have a 10 year old or 11 year old as a mom, like, trust me, you get it, right? Like you see that developmental stage kind of processing. So now that I am 47, I can look back, I kind of get it a little bit more, but my parents went through a divorce. And it wasn't pretty. And my dad pretty much was non-existent in our relationship. Um, after that, he, he, and for whatever reason, I, I could sit here and look at the DSM and try to figure out what his, you know, does he, is he narcissist? Is he bipolar? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Um, I don't know, but, but I do know that he had a hard time being a father and I, I really took that to heart and thought it was a character trait in me that made him do that. Or he was that way. So growing up, I just, the relationship with my mom was, was good, but she, she worked full time to provide for us. And then when I, um, was, and let me just preface it by saying that we were upper middle class. And when I was in high school, my dad and his company were investigated by the feds for fraud. Wow. And so then the, yeah, for mail and bank fraud, he had a mortgage company. And so our last name was the name of his company. So as he's being investigated, my last name is in the news all the freaking time. 
I'm in high school. I just want to walk down the hallway, <laughs> just do my normal, normal high school things. But I felt as though the whole world was watching and judging me and my mom and my sister because of my dad and his actions, which we had nothing to do with. But once again, developmentally appropriate because the ego is so freaking strong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just kind of what, what you go through. Um, so when I was 18, I think it was 18, he was sentenced to federal prison and he went to prison. So, which was hard. Um, cause that was once again in the papers, but at the same time I was like, well, I got to move on with my life. I got to go to college. I got to do all these things that I have on my, my goals. I'm not going to let that get in the way. Well, I think consciously I said that, but subconsciously those things did get in the way. They got in the way of relationships with friends, with, with guys that I would date, um, even my family, you know, and I can't really pinpoint everything for you at this point in time. When I look back, I had a really hard time with emotion regulation. I was very reactive. I took everything so personally insensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't really see myself outside of situations. I blamed myself for a lot of things. I felt like a victim. Um, you know, I felt like everybody around me was responsible for my unhappiness. Yeah. And I went through, went through that for a good part of my twenties. And then, um, then I graduated college. I I had a really great internship experience with a sports marketing company. And I really enjoyed that. Met some great people. I moved, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I moved to Atlanta and I got a job, um, at the Goodwill games and working for Turner sports. And I, I felt very confident in my abilities at that point in my life. So this is like mid, mid, late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt very confident, I knew what I was doing. Like I, I felt good about what I could produce, but I always would like get into these relationships with guys that would kind of sour things for me. I, every, everything I did hinged on a, a guy mm-hmm. approving or, or whatever, you know, I thought he should do this for me to make me happy. Once again, that's from, you know, growing up. Um, and then eventually I went and worked for world championship wrestling, which is kind of funny (laughs) to think about now. Um, and and then from there, I kind of was like, what am I, what am I doing with my life? How did I get here? And I was also finding a lot of, uh, confidence building in the gym at that time. So I knew I didn't really want to stay in the world of sports marketing because I just, just, I don't know. I just was like, what am I doing here? And I wanted to go back to school and I, so I applied to the university of South Carolina and moved here to go and get my master's in public health. And within like five, six weeks of being here, I met my future husband. His name is Billy. And we were friends. And we were friends for about a year before we started dating. And um, I was going through a lot, too. I was, at that time, um, had a, finally got a, you know, got a job. I wasn't very happy in that job. I don't really, I can't pinpoint why. I just always felt like I could be doing something different, something more. I felt very stifled in that position. There was mm-hmm. a lot of... I don't know. I mean, um, I think I just wasn't very happy with my career choices is what it comes down to. So I started to probably project that onto my relationship with him and he broke up with me and said, Mm. I love you and I care about you, but I can't be in, can't be in a relationship with somebody that's unhappy. Okay. And that just rocked. Yeah. That like really rocked me to my core. Yeah. And I've never had anybody, I've never had anybody say that to me. Never. And I think about it now and it's, it was the hardest thing to hear, but probably the best gift he ever gave me. And I went, started going to therapy. And if my therapist is listening, um, <laughs> she really, you know, I, uh, she might be, I don't know. My first therapist, um, 
gosh, she really just helped me peel back the layers and get, get deep and discover what was really going on. And, you know, I kind of like would have glimpses of who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I, I could be her until I went to therapy. And then she was like, no, you can be this person. And that was just eye opening. And so I got, I just started working hard on myself. Um, and then we ended up getting back together and, you know, eventually I decided to go back to school to be a therapist because what I was seeing Rose is through the people that I was working with in public health, I would be helping them with their health and their nutrition, but they, it was like something inside of them. They couldn't make it a habit. They couldn't make it stick. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with these people. And I remember my boss was like, well, they're probably dealing with some mental health issues, you know, possibly. So we need to refer them to a therapist. And I just was like, I want to help them further. I want to be that person, you know? So that's when I decided to to go back to school to become a counselor. And uh, probably it's just been uh, learning and growing and journey since then in my late twenties. I am not perfect. I don't want anybody listening to think I have it all together. Like mm-hmm. I can, I had a moment a couple <clears> days ago where I just lost, I lost it and I reverted back to being triggered of whatever was going on. I took it as it was my fault that mm-hmm. this was the occurrence or this was what was produced and it wasn't. Um, so, I mean, I still struggle at times and I, everybody does, but that's what we're, that's like hard grain, hard in, ingrained in us. And that's okay because those experiences were so meaning making and so imprinting on us, you you can't like wash them away forever. They might creep up and they might trigger you, but it's like, how do you, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to this? That is up to us as individuals. It's not somebody else, but it's up to us as the individual to um, decide how we're going to feel about it or what we're going to do about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's no, you know, perfect trajectory in life where you just never mess up. Excuse me. Once, you know, once you get to the place where you feel like you can manage your emotions pretty well, but let's go back a little bit. How did you, it sounded like you were seeking validation from these guys because of everything that had happened in terms of the break and attachment and the stuff that you went through with your father. So how did you learn, what are some of the steps that you took to learn how to validate yourself so that way when, you know, you got back with Billy or you met with Billy again that you were able to hold on to that? You know, I wish I could tell you there was like this, this one thing that works for me. But one of the things that really um, attracted me to Billy is he's very real. He's a realist and he's rational. <laughs> he's very, he's a rational thinker. And he would just say to me things like, where's the truth in that? Like, what is that all about? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. or I would, and then I would start saying it to myself. Is this really true? Is this really true? Come on, Lisa. You know, where is the evidence in your life that this is the case? You know, um, you've accomplished X, Y, and Z. How come you can't take responsibility for validating your own accomplishments or what is it? Why do you, I would just kind of ask myself that question. Like, what is it about the situation that takes me back to being 10 or 11 years old and where in my life can I like, you know, disprove that, you know, yeah. for other, other things, because it can't just be that one thing. Like I can do hard things. I can, I, I have to figure this out for me. I can't put it on somebody else. And then I just got to a point in my life where I was like, it's really immature to do that. Really immature for me to continue to do that because I am an adult and I'm a mom and I don't want to perpetuate that. So, um, you know, I just kind of started taking massive responsibility 
for everything like and that I was thinking and feeling and doing and um you know one of the things that is helpful is I have a very supportive very supportive husband who really understands me and I know that maybe for a lot of your listeners right now they don't have that person in their life mm-hmm. or they don't have a relationship where they get that um that support but um I just want to encourage your listeners if that's you stay open mm-hmm. just stay open to people stay open to possibilities you never know who you're gonna meet there are no I'm convinced there are no coincidences like I met Billy you guys in a CPR class did I expect to walk into a CPR class and meet the man of my dreams? <laughs> Heck no. I didn't even want to go. Like, I didn't even want to go that day, but I had to go for my internship. So you just never know where mm-hmm. you're going to meet somebody and when the opportunity presents. So just surround yourself as best as you can with people who inspire you and motivate you and want the best for you. Um, and maybe at this point help hold you accountable to the person that you want to become that's key right so you want to find people I I think a lot of people out there one you know they don't have people who will do those things that's Mm -hmm. why you know it's one of the reasons why I want to start bringing people like you on the podcast for motivation Mm -hmm. you know get people in your circle find them seek them out that are going to motivate you that are going to you know support you in being the person that you can become not just people who are going to support you in being the BPD patient right you want to step outside of that and really start living and I think that that you know is something that Lisa's speaking to and I think also, a lot of people are in the situation that you were in with Billy. That's why I really wanted to go back to that because, you you know, a lot of people find themselves either not in a relationship, in a relationship, or in this interim period where their person is rational because that's the best for us very emotional folk as we get a rational, logical individual to be in partnership with. And then that person goes, you know what? You're too much. You're, you know, unhappy. Like, this is just, we can't enjoy life. What do I do? Right. So a lot of people can really relate to that out there and that story that you have. So how did you end up getting back together with Billy? Tell people the story of hope and, you know. Yeah, I, gosh, I think back to it now. And how did we end up getting back? To, well, here's the thing. And I just like it's so funny. I remember him saying, I still want us to be friends. Ugh, that's like the kiss of death when you're breaking up with somebody and they're like but I still want you in my life and you're like oh yeah right. what does that even mean so I remember <laughs> oh he's well we were we went to the gym together like we we worked out together so he was like I don't want to lose that I'm like so you still want to hang out with me but you don't you don't want to be romantic with me okay this is whatever um so I think that just kind of maybe shows that we had a, a, a special bond I don't I don't know but it really hurt my heart I mean I was heartbroken like heartbroken and I said to him I can't I I gotta be either I'm all in with you or I'm all out so we I, I, drew, I drew the line in the sand and then I don't know we just started talking again this was before we had cell phones so we would like call each other you know on the phone like remember having a phone where you picked it up and you dialed a number yeah. um the phone phone so we weren't like it wasn't like we were yeah right it wasn't like we were texting each other mm. um at all I I don't remember how we kind of got back together but I think it just I think eventually I kind of let him back in a little bit and we were talking and I was telling him what I was learning in therapy about myself. And then, you know, six, seven months later, we're back together. It just was a natural because I think deep down he cared about me and he wanted the best for me because he's that kind of person, you know, um, I'm not sure, you know, other guys from my past would be that kind of, would be like that. Uh, and that's okay. That's, you know, I'm not for them. They're not for me, but it's just, 
I don't know how to explain it. It just kind of happened. I, I do remember I went out on a couple dates with, with this one guy and I knew that it wasn't really going to go anywhere with this mm-hmm. other guy. And I think that really kind of made him a little jealous. I don't know. Cause he knew about it. And, um, yeah. So he, we were talking about what was it like, what was it with this guy? And I was like, I don't know. It's just, I got to get back out there. So I'm dating again. And, and that was kind of the, I remember that was like the last straw. Like, okay, we're back together now. (laughs) Did he notice Um, that you were happier though? Like, wasn't that his complaint? So how um, did, yeah. 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 Cause I was still going to therapy. I was working on myself Ah, and you know, I also made the decision. Yeah. And so I also made the decision to go become a therapist and I was so excited about that decision that I remember telling everybody how excited I was. I feel, so I feel like it was this, everything kind of came together. Like I was going to therapy, I was working on myself, gaining my confidence, learning about internal validation. Then I decided to go to grad school. I got in, they saw, you know, they saw that I could do this work. I remember being excited about that. Like, oh, they see I can do this work. So I can, you know, there was a little bit of external validation there too. And, um, I was happy. Like I finally figured out what I wanted to do. And it was like this cloud was lifted and I just felt so much more, um, what's the word? Like I have a purpose. Right. I guess maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. 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 Finding a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So. So you find that you're secure in who you are and you have this purpose now. So you're not as unhappy. Okay, so that makes sense. You guys break up because you're unhappy, yeah. and then you start going to therapy to figure all that stuff out. I mean, it's a beautiful story with a you know a really happy ending. I think a lot of people are looking for that. And the answer is is you can have that, but it depends on how you react when the person that you know you love or is in relationship with you, whether it be a partner or who just whomever who's who says you're unhappy, I can't do this. That you don't, you know, Lisa, you could have taken that and been like, well, I'm unhappy. No one will ever. Love me and I'm just gonna crawl in a hole which maybe you did have an inclination to do I feel like when we get heartbroken we do but you didn't you took the information and you were like whoa I am unhappy I'm going to take extreme ownership right right and I do want to say that prior to my relationship with Billy I did have that experience with a guy that I fell head over heels for and it did not work out like and he it just didn't we tried so we tried like two or three times and it just never would work out. And I took that to heart and just thought, Oh, it's me. It's me. It's me. And now that I look back on it, I was like, no, now that I know kind of like I have some perspective from it, he, he really had his own stuff, you know, that got in the way of him being available to me. So, you know, I didn't get that at the time, mm-hmm. but now that I look back, it's like, Oh, okay. This kind of all makes sense now. Um, hindsight is 2020 like it really can be yeah absolutely absolutely well I mean that's it's an amazing journey that you're on and I know that it's not finished right when you jump into the shoes of becoming an entrepreneur there's so many things that come with that so how did you start dreaming bigger than just a nine-to-five job and what advice do you have for you know, people struggling with mental illness who feel like, well, there's nothing else for me. How do you, what do you say to them to get them to jumpstart their dreams? Hmm, that is a really good question, Rose. Um, hmm, there's nothing else for me. I guess, you know, it depends on, it. sometimes I wonder, like, who's giving you that message? Is it the people around you are giving you the message that this is as good as you can do, or this is as much money as you can make? Or is that 
you know, if that's the story you've been telling yourself, um, but you're also surrounded by people who believe that, then yeah, that's kind of like a group think, right? You're like you're, so I think you have to kind of, you have to, if you have that inside of you, you're like, you're wondering and yearning, then I want to be the one to tell you, follow that, that like light inside of you. That's going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think there might be more. And then go get, go, you know, talk with your therapist. Like if that's something that you want, talk with your therapist about that. Um, that you want more, you know, that you want to do new things or you want to see what else is out there for you because it's, there's no shame in that. Like go for it. I mean, I think a lot of people feel like, well, I, I went to college, I got the job. Um, I got the benefits, I got the house, but I'm not happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there like that. And that was me. I mean, honestly, how many years ago? seven, eight years ago when I turned 40, I guess, when I was, when I started to feel that way, kind of like, life's good. We're all right. What do you know? Eh. Yeah. I just didn't feel challenged by my work. Um, and that's not a good place to be because that leads to burnout mm-hmm. in our field. So I started just to kind of look around to see what else was out there. And I wanted to stay in the world of therapy, but I also wanted to take, I, I didn't want to do more therapy to reach my income goals. So I started to think about that. Like, okay, what else is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to really be away from my family, um, doing more coaching or more, more counseling. So what else is there? What can I do from home that might take me a little bit of time to kind of figure out, but has potential. So I just started looking around, um, to see what else was out there. And, you know, there's so many things, um, so many things like it's overwhelming to think about it. Um, at times I can go down the rabbit hole of all these different ideas. And I know I've talked to you about that before. I've like texted you. I'm like, I've got this idea. And you're like, well, I've got this idea. And I'm like, ah, too many, too many ideas. (laughs) Um, I don't really know how to answer that question, except talk to somebody that this is what I'll say. Find somebody that has what you want and pick their brain. I think the hardest part about being coachable is we think we know everything. We yep. think we know everything, but if you're, if you're listening, let me just say, if you're listening to Rose's show, you obviously are learning something new, right? So in a sense, you're already coachable. You know, you're already here. You're already getting value from Rose. Maybe you've even implemented some of the things that she suggested and you find that, Hey, I feel better. This works. So you're already coachable. Um, if you're listening and you're not coachable, then I don't know. I think that has to do with fear, mm-hmm. fear of failure, fear mm-hmm. of trying new things, fear yeah. of what other people will think, fear of judgment, fear. And there's nothing wrong with failure. I have failed so many times um, when it comes to entrepreneurship and trying new things, but I don't, it doesn't keep me down very long because I'm, I know that I fail forward. So in the past, I would get stuck and I would be like, oh, this isn't working. Oh, I can't do this. Da, 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 da. But that didn't get me anywhere. That just kept me in that stinking thinking mode. So I would be like, okay, what have I learned from this? What did I do right from this? What, what did work in this? And how do I take those pieces and continue to use my strengths and my skills and move it forward? Maybe it's going to look a little different or maybe it's a different opportunity or maybe it's a different job. But um, just because we're, we're all going to fail, like the faster you fail, the faster your success can come. Mm-hmm. So I want people to see failure as, as leading them to their success more so than sending them back. But we, we have a tendency to let it set us back because that's how we're wired. 
Right. We don't like unpleasant things. We don't like to feel bad. We don't like to feel sad, but don't, don't, you know, I used to tell my clients, I'm like, you can have a pity party for like a few hours, but then it's, you got to get, you got to pull yourself out of it. Cause if you stay there too long, there, I may, you may not be able to come out of it. Right. It's a, a black hole you know? of pity party. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing too, that you and I have talked about, and I, I do this with my life coaching clients is you have to be very focused on what you value and what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get very clear with what are your values, values. And when, when I talk to people about that, it's like, they don't really know what their values are sometimes. So you have to get super focused and figure out like my fam, my, you know, people ask me, what are my values? And um, my top three are family first or family focused, optimal and vibrant health. And then my third one kind of waxes and wanes. It's either like, you know, um, financial freedom or, um, yeah, it's usually financial freedom. That's kind of what spurs me. So all those things together will keep me, um, keep me focused. Um, and then I ask myself every day, what three things can I do in each of those values to get me further to my goal? And then am I actually doing them? Mm-hmm. Because when I'm doing those things, I'm vibing high. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm working. I'm making progress. But when those three things aren't in alignment, then I'm in that, that, that place of meh, (laughs) you know, I'm not moving forward on my goals. And so, you know, that's probably number one thing you could work on in terms of being coachable is, are you willing and open to getting clear on what your values are and where you are and what three things are they? And, um, that you can do daily that will get you further along your path. They don't have to be my, my values. Um, but they can be, I mean, they're yours. So I hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I like what you said about failure, you know, fail forward. I know I talk about that as well. And it is important because, you know, when you have this sort of lifetime of pain or trauma or problems, you tend to tie failures to your self-worth and that defines your character now. So like it becomes, I am a failure, right? So what Lisa is saying is it's important to shift your mindset from I am a failure to a failure is a step in the direction of doing things the way that you want, like living the life that you want. If you fail, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that didn't work. So instead of thinking in problems, you start to learn to think in solutions. Okay, that didn't work. That failed. That's not really like about my character. I'm going to try something else. Okay, that failed. That didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Oh, that works a little bit. I'm still not there. So you start to take these like incremental steps towards this bigger dream, this bigger goal. And eventually you get used to failing. It's not that big of a deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's really important for people to hear, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Failure is so important. You gotta, you gotta fail. I mean, like you want your kids to fail in certain things. So they learn, right? If you're a mom, you want your kids to have failures. It's life lessons, you got to have them. Yeah, it's so important. And that's part of the reason why I think a lot of the people of, of my listeners don't like failure because we didn't have, we had helicopter parents. Lots of people had 
helicopter parents, right? So those are the parents who don't let you fail. So you're not used to failing. So then all of a sudden, you you know, you enter into the world and you have no idea how to live because no one ever taught you autonomy. So you, there's a lot of growing up. And at one point in your story, Lisa, you did say, I had to grow up. I realized like this is a really immature way of being. So part of recovery is growing up, setting big goals for yourself, failing, you know, picking the brain of other people. So those are awesome. Do you have anything else that you would tell to people who are listening to this podcast? Because you are right. People listening here, they are on their way to being coachable, if not already coachable. And they are trying really hard to get out of the BPD mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm, What else? Gosh, I don't know. I can't think of anything else at the moment. But so if your listeners have questions, you know, um, I can, I'll, I'll come back and answer them if, yeah. if there's more that I can help them with. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think your whole story and journey is really inspirational. And we'll, I'm just going to let Lisa talk a little bit about her activewear brand. I love working out, as you all know, and I love fitness, and I just love Zaya Activewear, and I think that I want her to tell you about it so you know where to go to buy it, and I'll put the link in the show notes, too. Oh, Rose, thank you so much. So Zaya Active is a brand of activewear based out of um, Utah. I didn't, in fact, it's two years this week that I became a brand rep. It's kind of funny that um, we're doing this interview. I became a brand rep two years ago wow. after talking to one of my friends at the gym about her outfit. And um, she said, oh, I got it at a store that begins with an A. And she said, I can only afford the clothes there when I use my discount, my trainer discount. And things are on sale. And I was like, I know, and I'm not a trainer anymore, and I'm not a yogi, so I don't even get the influencer discount. And I said, I only buy stuff there when I have a gift card. I said, I wish there was another option. So I went home, and I got on Google, and I just started looking up activewear like Lulu and Athleta. And, like, on page three or four of Google, there was this company called Active. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is what I was looking for. Same quality, but the price is lower because they – um, take the middleman of brick and mortar out and just pay brand reps commissions when we share the clothes. So I just got super excited and thought, Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta do this. I I became a brand rep sight unseen. And it's been two years of, I do this. I share the clothes with my network, with my friends, with my family. Um, I share it with other women, um, locally. I have, um, a whole group on Facebook that you guys are welcome to come join Um, I can give that to Rose. It's called One More Rep with Lisa Mustard. And um, it's just really fun. And I I just love these clothes. And um, I got to plug the light and tights. I'm not wearing them right now, but the light and tights will change everything for you. They give you an instant tummy tuck and a glute lift. And (laughs) you feel so confident. um, (laughs) Yeah, I know you've got a couple pairs. So um, if anybody wants to learn more, you can just find me um, mainly on Facebook or my website, which um, we'll we'll share for you guys. But if you have questions, just feel free to reach out. And thank you for letting me talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show. You're such an inspiration. I'm hoping my listeners out there Um, If you guys have any questions for Lisa, just let me know. I'm hoping that really resonates with you and you start to do your own journey to find some people who are motivating, who are positive role models for you, and who are saying, yes, you can. You can. Thank you. Yeah, me too. You're welcome. All right, time for our Q&A. 
So this question came through me from an email message from a listener. And the question is, why do people with borderline personality disorder or on that BPD spectrum end up with people who have narcissistic qualities or tendencies or full-blown narcissistic personality disorder? So there are a lot of answers to that question, I'm sure. Here's my take on it. I think that people with borderline personality disorder, we fall really deeply, really quickly into love, right? Um, I know, and I've talked about this a little bit before, that my son's father has some traits of those. So I've been in that kind of relationship before. And what it was for me was that that, like love that I wanted that was mirrored back to me because remember someone who has narcissism is typically mirroring um your behavior we do that too but it's a little bit more pronounced in that narcissistic point of view so there's that that need for that intense infatuating love and somebody who has narcissism is going to be able to give that to us they're going to mirror that they're going to match that for us and because we lack the ability to mentalize or to have that cognitive empathy and really look at the whole picture of things we're only seeing oh my gosh this person loves me this love feels so good this is what i've been looking for and how can i keep this person um, how could I keep them with me? Not really questioning ever, why does this love feel so good? You know, sometimes we'll create rationalizations too, like, oh, this is my soulmate, or this has to be it, this is the one. And unfortunately, we get lost in that kind of love because it just feels so good at first. And the person with narcissism is just all the while there. They are exactly who they are the whole time, but we don't see it or we ignore the red flags and we go with the mirroring the, you know, that that really intense feeling of love. So it's important if you've just come out of a relationship with somebody who has narcissism and you're worried about getting into another one or if you're, you know, jumping out into dating again. I suggest that you think of dating kind of reframe the way you think of it. I know like having BPD, you're looking for the person who's going to give you that intense love and who's never going to leave you. But what if you went on dates with people to figure out whether instead of figuring out whether or not they're going to leave you to figure out whether or not you want to be with them? Dating is an evaluation process, right? It's like, is this going to be my forever person? And I think we have a tendency to fall really quickly and then just kind of get wrapped up without really evaluating, is this my forever person? And that is something that you can just kind of start to do. I mean, of course, you want to seek professional support to deal with that trauma. I mean, there's a lot of gaslighting that goes on. You know, a lot of the behaviors in narcissism are, you know, they can be similar to BPD. But if you have been impacted by that gaslighting, it's it's really difficult, you know, to sort of work through that. So definitely get some help. And if you feel like you're all good and you're ready to jump in, remember, dating is an evaluation. It's not, will they love me and never leave me? It's, is this my forever person? Can I tolerate these behaviors forever? Is this love too fast and too intense? 
Does this feel like hyperbolic love? Maybe I should take a step back and see what else is going on here. Who is this person? And kind of look at it that way. Awesome. So I hope that's helpful. It's just kind of a brief snippet of a really big question. Um, but if you have any more questions in addition to that, you can reach out to me at rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you have any questions for Jay, you can reach him at jay at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Jay is actually starting his own podcast. I am so happy for him. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So as soon as he releases that, I'll let you all know. I think that you know, that would be a great place for you guys to start for role models because I know what an awesome role model he is for me. So have a great week, everybody. Next week, we have um, I will be doing an interview with a psychiatrist. So please send me any questions you have. If you had a question for a psychiatrist about medication, about a disorder, um, really just about anything so that I can bring those to the table during that interview. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you all soon. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.